Good morning and welcome. If you will, let's turn in our Bibles to Acts chapter 15. And we'd like to look at verses 36 uh, into chapter 16 up to verse 10. It's hard to believe we're so close to Thanksgiving. Seems like uh, the year has just gone by so quickly. Reading in verse 36. Then after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us now go back and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Now Barnabas was determined to take with them John, called Mark. But Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And then the contention became so sharp that they parted from one another. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, being commended by the brethren to the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. And then he came to Derbe and Lystra. And behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, who was the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was Greek. He was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. And Paul wanted to have him go with him. And so he took him, he circumcised him because of the Jews who were in that region, for they all knew that his father was a Greek or a Gentile. And as they went through the cities, uh, they delivered to them the decrees to keep, uh, which were determined by the apostles and elders at Jerusalem. And so the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased uh, in number daily. Now when they had gone through uh, Phrygia and the region of Galatia, They were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. And after they had come to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia. But the Spirit did not permit them. And so passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, after they had seen, after, or after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. And Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. And Lord, your incredible and wonderful direction, Lord, in our lives. So often, Lord, your direction, directing, Lord, you're directing at times, Lord, we don't even realize it. And in other times, Lord, we're kind of stymied. Lord, we need clarity. We need guidance. We need direction. So often we find ourselves like that. And Lord, help us, we pray, to take, Lord, examples, Lord, from Paul and company. Lord, just trusting you, Lord, where to take a step of faith. Lord, uh, not only we do this, Lord, for our short-term mission year in, year out, 
But Lord, we do this regarding so many important decisions that we have to make during the course of, Lord, a week, a month, a year. Lord, we want your guidance. We, we need your guidance. And we thank you, Lord, that you've promised that you would guide us into all truth. And so we pray this morning, Father, we pray that our hearts and minds, Lord, would be in tune with what you have for us, not only corporately, but, Lord, individually. Lord, I thank you for each one that's here today. And, Lord, uh, we pray that, uh, Father, as we, Lord, uh, ponder your truth in your word, that, Lord, it would speak, Lord, to us. It would equip us, Lord. Lord, we're, we're thankful for the word of God, for the spirit of God, for the truth that you grant, that you give. We're, we're thankful, Lord, for the many different times in our lives where you have guided, where you have directed. We thank you for the wisdom, Lord, like Paul said, that we can have the mind of Christ. Lord, uh, and we need those kinds of, we need that kind of wisdom, those kinds of insights. And so, Father, we pray this morning, Lord, as we look at these verses of Scripture, that you would speak to us in a fresh new way. For we praise and bless you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Uh, we took our title from the book of Isaiah, Behold, I Make All Things New. And, uh, of course, Isaiah said that in relation to Messiah and what Jesus Christ would do. Uh, he takes everything wonderfully and makes them new. You know, I, I always loved uh, uh, those verses there in uh, 2 Corinthians. And it says, if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creature. Um, you know, old things are passed away, and behold, all things become new. And the next verse, it says, I think it's verse 9, and I think it's chapter 2 of that um, and uh, verse 9 and verse 10 says, and all things are of God. Isn't it wonderful that when that happens for you in Christ, all of a sudden, you know, one day you're not thinking about God, then the next day everything's about God. And, uh, and it's wonderful to have that kind of a, a focus of your life, a, a fix, fixation, if you will. Uh, you know, what does the Lord want? Um, you know, as you get up in the morning and you pray and you have a sense of expectation of, Lord, what do you have today? Are you, you know, going on a trip or whatever the case may be and you're just looking to the Lord, you're asking him for his guidance and for his direction and, and how he's with us to guide us and help us in so many different ways as we just sort of navigate through life. Now, this section of Acts is filled with so many, so many surprises. We have new a new alignment, new direction. We have a new worker. We have a new vision. We have a new opportunities, and we have a new step of faith. And so, and one of the things that you realize, you know, you know, when you come to know the Lord, God is designed, and we need challenges. We need them because that's where growth comes from. Uh, be careful it, you, that you don't turn away after you've prayed and asked for the Lord to direct and guide in your life. Don't turn away from those things that maybe seem above your pay grade. Maybe they're a little beyond your skill set. Uh, these are the things that God, we find oftentimes when we take a step of faith, when we feel maybe his prompting, his leading in some kind of way, when we take that step of faith, even though we perhaps may feel um, not really qualified, yet we find God equipping us. That's how oftentimes we discover the gifts of the Holy Spirit when we simply, you know, we look at, you know, some opportunity, some open door, uh, something that maybe God has put before us, and we say, well, I can't do that. And yet at the same time, we feel a nudging. You know, we feel a prompting. We feel maybe, maybe it comes through an invitation, um, you know, through someone. Oftentimes you'll find that is often the case. You know, God invites you into some aspect of ministry 
um, where maybe you know you feel like, well, that's kind of that's a little beyond my ability or whatever the case may be. But at the same time, too, when you feel that nudging, when you feel that prompting, this is times. This is often the way God um, presses people into service and, and helps them to cultivate their gifts and understand the ministry and the things that God has called each one of us to. Because if you really, if you have the Holy Spirit, He is the gift. Okay, He is the gift, and He's going to manifest Himself according to your personality in very unique kinds of ways. And, and, and it's important that we yield to that, you know, that we allow the Lord. Because, you know, the, when it comes to, you know, God using you, um, your part, my part, is basically to, you know, just simply to submit to that, to surrender to it, even though perhaps maybe you feel ill-equipped or whatever the case may be. Uh, it's God's grace that comes into our life, flooding us with the ability to do things that may be so far beyond our ability. Uh, you know, as far as, you know, I look at my own particular life, you know, when I think about things that God has done in my life, um, never, ever would have happened without his grace, without his spirit, without his ability. But so often, as I was, you know, challenged, you know, in, in many, different many different situations and opportunities over the years, I, I felt just simply uh, unable, ill-equipped. Um, Lord, uh, that's, not in, that's not in my capacity, where the case may be. Uh, and yet at the same time, too, sensing that just that nudging from the Holy Spirit um, to take that step of faith and to find all of a sudden there's an ability there. There's God's grace there. Uh, whether, whether it's witnessing, whatever it is, you know, to yield ourselves, you know, simply. And we see that taking place here um, in the lives of God's people. Uh, <clears throat> and I think if we don't take these steps of faith, you know, life can become, the Christian life can become stagnant. It can become boring uh, because God has simply designed those things that take us beyond ourselves. We're just simply launching out, you know, launching out in this wonderful step of faith. And, uh, and so God has a new thing here for Paul and company. And remember, as we've looked at, they took a trip uh, there uh, uh, through, uh, you know, over to Cyprus and Asia Minor and those sorts of places. And, and, uh, and it was not an easy thing. You know, Paul... Uh, Paul was stoned, you know, they were, they were driven out of some places, but yet God wonderfully, you know, he, he, he put basically drove a stake in the ground and started a church and a fellowship of God's people. And now they're basically talking about, let's go back and visit. Let's go see, uh, you know, Paul had a pastoral kind of heart, even though he was an evangelist and a missionary and all a great Bible teacher and that sort of thing. Um, he wasn't ever going to stay in one position sort of as a pastor, but yet he had that heart. And he wanted to make sure, you know, as far as what had, the Lord had begun, that it continued there. So he wants to go back here in verse 36 and see how they're doing. And, and when you look at these two guys, you know, Saul, or excuse me, Paul and Barnabas, it's kind of the perfect blend of gifts. You know, here is Paul, when you look at his life, he's the visionary, he's the Bible teacher, he's the guy that's going to take a step of faith. And if there's nobody with him, he's going to go alone. Uh, Paul has a very strong kind of personality. Uh, he's a born leader. And, uh, and so then you have Barnabas. And, and Barnabas is a totally different individual. He's, he's uh, kind of laid back. He's a counselor. He's an encourager. He's a bridge builder. He, he's, a, he's just that kind of guy. You know, remember we see him early on in the, I think it's in the fourth chapter, and he's referred to. The, he's the son of consolation. He was born to console people. He was born to encourage people. And that was simply his gift. And, and so, you know, basically, you know, as an attache, we see... Uh, 
you know, him and, and Paul on that first trip, you know, what an asset he was. And, and remember, he was one of the guys that reached out to bring Paul and introduce Paul into ministry when everybody else was afraid of Paul because of, you know, his, his baggage and, and, and what he had been doing before. Yeah, I mean, he was like the San, Sanhedrin's hitman at one particular point. And uh, uh, so we see these two guys, and again, each one of them, just like you and I, each one of us brings something different to the table. And that's why it's important that you surrender yourself to the Lord and whatever he wants you to do. And that may be, you know, that could be a host of different things. You know, sometimes we have a little, we have a, you know, a couple different lists of, you know, what we call spiritual gifts in the Bible. Uh, but I think that's only a sampling. I think there's, I think there's many more as God maybe just equip you and I. I. I imagine God equips people to be witnesses on the social media, you know, just reaching out to people and, and you know, just, you know, uh, introducing truth into a, a situation where there's a lot of gossip, where there's a lot of uh, bullying and all kinds of other things. So again, <clears throat> thus far, things were going very well. And then verse 37, Barnabas was determined to take with him John called Mark. Now, there's a relationship there, okay? They're, they're related. And also, too, part of Barnabas's ministry, he's an encourager. He realizes John Mark left them before um, and, and sort of left them kind of in a jam, uh, you know, in that kind of thing. And so I imagine Mar uh, Barnabas is wanting to maybe encourage the guy. Uh, maybe he has uh, mentored him uh, in the interim, and uh, uh, perhaps maybe he has seen some growth in Mark's life. And again, Mark is a great guy. He's the guy basically that penned out the gospel of Mark, okay? Um, and, uh, and that's a great gospel. I love the gospel of Mark. Uh, and yet we find him, he's, he's, when we look at him in this context here, he's a young, he's a young believer. Um, he, there was some demon possession and things going on on that first, you know, missionary journey. Kind of maybe scared him, freaked him out, you know, t uh, sort of a thing. And, man, he just bailed out and he went back home. He went home to Jerusalem. It's like, well, <laughs> glad to be out of that situation kind of a thing. So now on this second trip here, uh, Barnabas really wants to take him. He's seen some growth, and maybe, maybe you just need to go and just sort of maybe break, you know, break that, um, you know, that uh, um, reputation maybe he's gotten as maybe a quitter, a, a failure, whatever the case may be. But we find in verse 38, Paul insists they should not take uh, with them the one who is John Mark, uh, who departed from them in Pamphylia, had not gone with them to the work. Now, practically, it was probably not a good idea. You know, I, I think Paul here, uh, it's not just maybe he's bitter against, you know, John Mark with the case. Maybe. I think practically this is probably a good idea because uh, what if there's going to be another bailout? You, you want to kind of avoid that. And sometimes, too, you know, uh, when you're uh, putting together a, a missionary team, um, sometimes there, I've, I was a missions pastor for a number of years, and I took a number of teams, uh, you know, overseas. And sometimes uh, there may be somebody who volunteers, and you just maybe the Lord just shows you that maybe it isn't going to work out for that person. And I can remember just sort of maybe praying about it. I forget exactly exactly how I handled those kind of situations. Um, but um, I think Paul's point here is a practical point that what happens if he decides, you know, in the middle of the middle of this tour again, he's just simply going to bail out. And, and I think, if, you know, for Paul, it's kind of just simply a high risk. And again, Barnabas, you know, he's, uh, 
you know, he wants to encourage John Mark. But yet, maybe both of them are right. You know, sometimes we, uh, we kind of look at either or, you know, kind of thing. Maybe both of them are right in this particular, you know, situation. And so we're told here that the contention became so sharp. Um, they parted one from another, and so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. I, I, I'm kind of, in one sense, I'm kind of glad about that because it isn't just us. Even the apostles have, fallings, you know, have a falling out. Even these guys argue you know, with one another and have these kinds of uh, circumstances and situations that, uh, you know, that arise. And, uh, and it's interesting here, we don't see Barnabas anymore. He sort of sails off the pages of the book of Acts. We, we don't see him anymore. And so it's obvious here that the Holy Spirit is, is really guiding and directing you know, the Apostle Paul in this particular endeavor. Uh, we, we see in verse 40 uh, that Paul chose Silas. Uh, remember, he had come up from Jerusalem, um, one, of the, one of the pillars, one of the strong guys down there. He had come up, and he decided to stay there for a while because, remember, they came back from the conference, and uh, he was one of the guys uh, that basically uh, confirmed what, take, what had taken place you know, at the conference um, and, and so forth, and so he now is going to be selected here. But we find here they're commended. They're commended by uh, the brethren. And, and I would imagine, too, when you look at uh, Barnabas and, 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 and Paul here, I would imagine they both learned a lesson from this. Because uh, later on you see uh, the, the importance of, you know, Paul reaching out and the, his need for Mark. And remember, you know, bring Mark, he's good for me for the ministry. Um, and sometimes, you know, things, sometimes things get, sometimes there's division, sometimes things fall apart. But how important it is for us as Christians, you know, that uh, there's conflict resolution. Um, and the Holy Spirit's a great mediator at that, isn't he? Uh, sometimes when you have a falling out with somebody and that's like, you know, it's their fault. You know, they did it and um, I know I'm in the right. And, you know, always both parties usually feel like that. And then isn't it interesting how the Holy Spirit has a way to sort of wearing you down, you know? You know, have you ever won an argument with the Holy Spirit? If you have, tell me, okay? Because I have not. Uh, he has a wonderful way of just, you know, um, and I just, we just a uh, few days ago, wrestling with him about something. And I just, I just realized after all these years of walking with him, he always wins. He always wins. And I find when I'm wrestling with him, my spirit is sort of straightened. It's like I just feel like I'm sort of bound up. In, uh, and it's like, well, Lord, I don't want to do that, you know, kind of a thing. And, and, uh, and the peace comes when you just sort of let go. You just let go and you say, yes, Lord. <laughs> yes, Lord, okay. But like little Samuel. Uh, Speak, Lord, thy servant heareth, you know. Uh, you know, just submitting and surrendering. And, and it's like we never get too old for that. There's always going to be something that we maybe wrestle with, we struggle with, we, we, we may not want to do, uh, and yet thank God for the blessed Spirit of God to work in our lives, to, to be nudging us, to be prompting us, to be convicting us, you know, to get the things done. And it's a funny thing, you know, because every, th every time I've sort of wrestled with the Lord about something, and finally He would win and I'd capitulate and give in, I'm blessed. That, isn't that the way it is? You're always blessed when you just yield to the Lord and allow him to direct and guide. Because he knows what we need. Isn't he the perfect father? 
He is just a perfect father. He knows exactly. He is, he is, in a sense, he has a map for your life. He has a plan for each one of our lives. But the, the necessary thing for you to be blessed in the, in the best possible way is surrendering to that, is giving in. You know, because a lot of times we just simply, we, 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 we hold back. Maybe, you know, we measure God working in someone's life by someone else's life. And, and maybe there may be things that we may not like about someone, that what, what God's doing in someone else's life. And sometimes, too, we were talking about legalism last week and how sometimes, you know, a believer can get all bound up and rigid, you know. And, and, and there may be certain things that, you know, that I don't like about that person's life. Um, and... Uh, you know, we, we, we may be fearful of just sort of just surrendering ourselves because God knows you. He knows you. He created you. you you're, you're, you're an individual. You're unique. He's got a plan that just perfectly fit. It's tailor-made for each one of our lives because he knows, you know, the things that we need in our lives and in our situation. Now, here in uh, chapter 16, <clears throat> there, there's a hidden blessing. I think the hidden blessing is what? You've got two teams now. You got two teams, and also, too, you got a new team member. So, again, here I'm sure that the Lord is just sort of teaching them some, some things that are just sort of fresh as they simply go along. Uh, isn't it wonderful to, to know, as, you know as, as a believer, that you never get to some point where you arrive, you're always learning something? We will always be a student, um, just looking to Him, learning something fresh. Um, where I, like, you know, Paul said in Philippians, I, you know, I, I've, I don't, I've never arrived. I'm not at some place where we get to this place of perfection. You know, we're his son, we're his daughter. Um, he's our father. He's always teaching us something fresh, something insightful. Now, it says here, <clears throat> they, they came to Derby in, in Lystra. And behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish a woman who believed. Uh, but his father was a Greek. Remember, we're told in another place, his mother's name was uh, Eunice. Uh, his grandmother, Jewish grandmother as well, was Lois. And no doubt they had poured into him. No doubt they had prayed. Uh, that's why his parents, grandparents, are you praying for your kids and your grandkids? You know, pray that God would just really work, you know, within their life. Uh, sometimes, you know, uh, um, you, you never know the impact you're, you're going to have, you know, in someone's life. Um, I look at my grandmother, grand, grandfather rather, I grew up, uh, spent a lot of time with my grandparents, and uh, they were really a blessing. And, uh, and I remember my grandfather, uh, my, grand, my grandmother was from Ireland, she was a tough gal. She was just a tough gal. She, you know, she would raise chickens and ducks and, and, and butcher them, and, and, um, and I remember one time too, uh, I was acting up a little bit, and uh, she took a pot and hit me over the head with it. And, and I couldn't believe she did that. And I can remember just hearing the pot go ring, you know, on, on top of my head. I probably, I'm sure I deserved it. I'm sure I deserved it. But I remember my grandfather. What a kind soul he was. He was such a kind soul. And if, you know, what the Bible says in one of the Proverbs, what's desired in a man is kindness. And that's the one thing I remember, that remarkable thing about him. He was such a kind and gentle guy. And, and he, you know, he he'd lived through the First World War, the Second World War, the Depression. Uh, he had been through so many, you know, so many challenges, you know, in his life. And, and, but just such an incredible, kind soul. And I remember just his input, his input in my life. 
And you know, we can have that kind of input even as grandparents, uh, maybe sometimes even as a neighbor. Um, you know, I can remember many different times when our kids were growing up and uh, we'd always, I'd always be fixing a bike, you know, patching a tire or doing something. And, but it, but it, what it did, it brought all the kids into the neighborhood and all the kids be in the garage, you know, and, you know, Mr. Tompkins, can you fix my bike? You know, and oh yeah, okay, what's wrong with it? Kind of a thing. And, and there was times where I just, you know, I t there were times where I just got to share Christ with them. You know, something about, there's something about like when you're driving and talking about the Lord and you're not looking in their face. There's, there's a, like, it's like a teaching moment, okay? Or like when you're in the garage and you're working, you're not looking directly at someone, but it's kind of a teaching moment. And I remember I shared Christ with a couple kids. We're, we're, and I was always just trying to play football or some kind of ball, you know, in the yard with the kids, you know, kind of a thing. And, and it would draw other kids in. And I remember I got a chance to share the Lord. And Margie called us in for dinner, so we're in there. And, I, and, I, and we were living in Farmington at the time. And I happened, to, I happened to just walk out through the win, window to see if the kids were walking home. And here they were, the two of them, right outside on the lawn, on their knees, praying. <laughs> it's like, really? Are you kidding me? Hallelujah. Man, I couldn't believe that. What an what a, what a, what a awesome thing. So here we have Timothy, who's been greatly influenced you know, by, his, by his mom and by his grandmother. But what is interesting here, they come to this place, Lystra. Remember Paul is stoned there? He's stoned there, and he's basically drug out of the city, you know, basically for dead. And, and what you see here sometimes, it, we, we, sometimes God leads us to a place of past disappointment, past failure. And that's where God wants to give us a victory. That's where God wants, to, wants us to bless. I, re, I remember a song, um, you know, back in the 1970s when I got saved, and it was a song I've never forgotten. Um, it's by a, an artist by the name of Phil Keggy, and I've never forgotten this because it always stuck with me, the title of it, you know, disappointment is his appointment. And he says this, disappointment, his appointment, change one letter, then I see that the thwarting of my, pur of my purpose is God's best choice for me. Disappointment, his appointment uh, no good thing will he withhold. From denials oft we gather treasures from his love untold. His appointment must be blessing, though it may come in disguise. From the, for the end, from the beginning, open to his wisdom lies. Well, he knows each broken purpose leads to fuller, deeper trust. And the end of all his dealings proves our God is wise and just. And that's what's going on with Paul. He's, he's in a place where there's been failure. If you ever sometimes go to a, back to a place where there's been maybe defeat or failure, there's a certain apprehension, there's a certain fear, there's a certain kind of a concern. But I think oftentimes God takes us back to those kinds of places to just show himself strong. You know, just to show us, you know, that he brings, so often he brings victory out of our failures. I look at some of, my some of the failures that took place in my life, and, and God has wonderfully used those. He's used those to you know, sort of, you know, sometimes, too, success can be the ruination of people. We see that, don't we, in our world today? How success, you know, just, you know, sometimes we've watched um, these uh, talent programs, a couple of different talent, America's Got Best and you know, American Idol, that sort of thing. We've watched uh, some of them, and 
And, and it's amazing how sometimes they just heap constant praise, 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 praise. And if somebody has a, a slight word of, you know, exhortation or correction, it's like everybody boos them and they shout them down. And it's like, you know what, we need those. We need that. We don't just need praise that's continually heaped on us. There's a time for praise. There's a time for that. But God so often is working, you know, in our failures, in our setbacks, you know, in the things where there may have been a great defeat because he's showing us, you know, what he can do. He's showing us how he can change things and how he can change hearts, you know, of individuals and people. So, uh, excuse me, Timothy, well spoken of by the brethren who at Lystra and Iconium. And Paul, this is interesting here, Paul wanted to have him go on with him. And he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews, the, the, you know, the basically, you know, the, the unbelieving Jews that were in the area. Because remember, that was a big issue. That was a very big issue with them. And they were aware, they were aware of Timothy. Timothy had a Jewish mother, and interesting, you know, if you have a Jewish mother, you're considered Jewish. If you have a Jewish father, uh, it's a little bit different. It's kind of interesting to me. Um, it seems to be sort of that tradition seems to be almost opposite of the Bible because all your genealogies, you know, in the Bible are all the males. And very, you know, uh, the only time you see in a Jewish genealogy a female is when you get into the book of Matthew, okay? And you see the different women that God had placed, interestingly, in the Messianic line. But again, there was simply a tradition there that if your mother was a Jew, then obviously, you know, the DNA of the Jewish, you know, line was basically passed on to you. And so he was considered that, but obviously he had not been, he had not been circumcised. Now, what's interesting about this is they just came from a conference. They just came from a conference and settled this issue that you do not need to be circumcised. In other words, you don't need to become a Jew first and then a Christian. So what's Paul doing here? Is Paul compromising? No. Paul is basically making accommodation so that he has the opportunity to minister to these Jewish folks. You know what it is? It's becoming all things to all men. That was one of the first things that, that, that when, we, when all of a sudden the mask mandate came out. And everybody's ticked about it. Everybody's upset about it. You know? And you know what? I just, I want to be all things to all men. That's why I would wear the mask. I just want to be all things to all men. I, I, I'm not going to, I don't feel like I'm compromising by wearing a mask. You know, listen to what Paul says about these very kinds of matters here. <clears throat> and over in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, speaking here basically about self-denial, this whole thing of self-denial, because if we want God to use us, we have to set aside our own interest, our own opinions for the sake of the gospel. If we want to see people get saved, he, goes, he says this, um, <clears throat> Let me just back it up a verse, a couple of verses here. He says, uh, he says, though I'm free from all men, I'm free from all men, you know, from their opinions and the things that, you know, that are so important to them. I have made myself servant to all that I might win the more. To the Jews, I became as a Jew. Remember, he takes, he, he takes when he goes to Jerusalem, uh, he takes a vow for a very short time. 
He doesn't have to, but he wants to relate to those folks. He wants to be able to get in there where he simply shares the gospel. I think a lot of times, too, we have to be very careful, you know, in how we just handle folks, you know, how if we want to relate to them and, and be relatable to them. Um, you know, we have to be very careful that we don't want to compromise, okay? It doesn't mean, okay, if I want to share with all the guys, you know, after bowling, I'm going to go to the bar and have a few drinks kind of a thing because, you know, I want to be all things, all men. Okay, well, I think we can twist Scripture sometimes too. And I think we have to be very careful to, to not put ourselves in a compromising situation. Yet what Paul says here, he says to the Jew, I became as a Jew that I might win Jews to those who were under the law as under the law that I might win those who were under the law, to those who were outside the law as outside the law, yet not being without law toward God, but under the law toward Christ, that I might win those who are without the law. Now, here's the verse. To the weak I became as weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Now this I do for the gospel's sake that I may be a partaker of it with you. You see, Paul, was, he was a man for all seasons. He didn't start out like that. He didn't start out like that. We see Paul early on. I mean, he wants to kill Christians. He wants to kill people. And if Christ hadn't come into his life, he'd probably be a pretty, be a pretty rigid, mean cuss. But it just demonstrates when God gets a hold of us, the changes that he works. And he wants to take us and use us in situations where we would never maybe perhaps want to even do that. And that's why I think Paul was just that kind of guy that, like you said, to the Gentiles, I want to be, I'm, going to be, I'm going to relate to them. To the Jews, I'm going to relate to them. It's for the purpose of winning people, not just, you know, offending people. But to have a sensitivity to how can I minister to this person? You know, sometimes it may mean just sort of, you know, holding back, not getting involved in the conversation and looking for an opportunity in some kind of way to bring Christ, you know, into that you know, into that conversation rather than just maybe just, you know, being offended by maybe what is said uh, and then saying something, responding in kind. I think we have to be very careful about that. Again, we want to be all things to all people for the purpose of ministering the truth to them so that they might basically, you know, come, you know, to know the Lord. I try to do this with veterans uh, as much as I can because that's, that's part of my life. That's, you know, part of my experience. Um, you know, sometimes I've, I will uh, be able to talk to somebody who's in the dental industry, and, uh, and then we commiserate on that, but looking for an opportunity in some kind of way. And, and even if you don't get an opportunity, sometimes, you know what, sometimes it's, it's, it's important just basically to befriend people, to befriend people with a, looking for a future opportunity. You know, we call it friendship evangelism, Okay. Because, you know, again, and, 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 and we need the Spirit of God in our lives because uh, it's very easy in our world today um, to dislike people. And, and when you look at Paul the Apostle, you know, he said this, 
in Second Corinthians, I think it's chapter 5, he said, and I imagine people looked at Paul and thought, you know, man, what, what what's, keeps this guy going? He's, he's like an energizer bunny. You know, for God, he just keeps going and going and going. He's in shipwrecks and he's stoned, he's beaten with rods, you know, he's thrown out of town. Blah, 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 blah. He says, the love of Christ moves me. The love of Christ motivates me. And see, that's what we need, the love of Christ. Or you know what? We're not going to love people. Isn't it easy to hate certain people? Oh, yeah. It is. And it's only him in us. It's only him in us. You know, giving us that, that wherewithal. You know, that compassion, that empathy. You know, that, that love. You know, that, you know... Uh, sometimes, you know, God will just put his care in your heart. You'll just see somebody, and it's just like, you know, sometimes it's ever happened to you. Sometimes the Lord will just give you a sense of compassion and care for that person. <laughs> that's him. That, that's him manifesting his person, <laughs> the person of Christ, you know, through us to a hurting world. And our, our world, it, it needs the love of Christ. Remember Dion Warwick used to sing that song, What the World Needs Now is Love. But what we need is the love of Christ. And there's something so wonderful about the love of Christ. You know, as he, as he reaches out and expresses just compassion, love, and mercy. <clears throat> so again, this was an accommodation. This wasn't a compromise, you know, by Paul. He's looking for an opportunity. And again, as we said before, it was much easier for him just to go to a synagogue. The foundation was laid. These were Bible people, okay? So first and foremost, he finds himself, that's where he is going. At the same time, too, God has specifically told him that you're also, you're going to have a ministry, you know, to the Gentile world. And, of course, we know that he was um, the, the, the apostle, the, the messenger, that is, uh, to, the, um, to the Gentiles. Now, let's pick this up in verse 6. Have you ever felt that God was leading you somewhere, but you didn't know where? You just knew that the Lord was leading, directing, guiding, but you didn't really know where you were going. Well, if you find that to be the case, that's the case here, just keep following. Allow the Lord to guide you and direct you. I remember uh, Margie and I were praying. It was a big move. Uh, we were just kind of getting rid of everything, selling anything. We are going to take a launch, you know, just a big step of faith, launch out into the deep kind of a thing. It was May 1989, excuse me, 1981. And we were at a conference with Pastor Chuck, and there was a theologian. He had brought a theologian along, and he was an expert in revivals. And I, re I still remember him, some of the diagrams he had put on the chalkboard about revivals and some of the things that happened in revivals. Um, his, bro his name, we just referred to him as Brother Orr. And, uh, and I remember, because we had a very important decision, Margie and I, to make, because we were, just, we were leaving the area, we were going to another state, uh, basically, pioneer church work is what we were, what we were uh, uh, being led into. And I can remember, because we, we sat down, we had a meeting with Pastor Chuck, and, uh, and it was interesting because we were kind of looking for this absolute confirmation to say, yeah, yeah, man, go for it. And we didn't get that out of Chuck. And that was wisdom. That was wisdom because he understood the value of us trusting the Lord. But I'll never forget the, the scripture that was given to me by Brother Orr. It was Isaiah chapter 30, and I think it was verse 21. 
And, and it, it was simply this. It was simply this. You're going to hear, you know, you're going to hear a voice behind you saying, you know, this is the way, walk ye in it, whether you go to the right or whether you go to the left. And what that necessitates, the idea is, is you're, on, you're in the way, you're on the road. And that's the, that's, the, that's the important part. When God begins to direct and guide us, that you begin to take that step and get in the way. You know, somebody once said, you know what, you can't steer a car until it's moving. And God will steer us and direct us and guide us when we put ourselves in the way. We take, this, we take that step of faith. I always remember Oswald Chambers. If any of you ever read Oswald Chambers, if you don't have his devotional, you ought to get it. I think I've probably read through that devotional maybe 10 times in my life, my utmost for his highest. It's a great, incredible, even Charles Stanley said, Charles Stanley said about my utmost for his highest outside the Bible, uh, I, prize that, I prize that book the most. And, uh, and, and one thing that Chambers says, you know, about there's times where faith seems reckless. And that's the last thing that we are, okay? But when God is leading you and causing you to take a step of faith, like Abraham, call him out, called him to go to a place where he didn't know where he was going. Can you imagine meeting Abraham on the road? Hey, Abraham, you got all your family with you. You're all on right. Where are you going? Well, I don't know. <laughs> and everybody think you're kind of stupid. Well, I mean, they already think we're stupid anyway, okay? You're, if you're a Christian, they already think you're stupid. So don't worry about that. But, but when you take a step of faith, it may, it may seem kind of reckless to you. But just keep following. Now, in verse 6, this is a new kind of guidance for Paul and company. This is new. This is fresh. And when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. So God opens and closes doors on our behalf. An open door is an opportunity, but a closed door is protection. That's why, folks, if he's closing a door for you, you're praying about something, maybe a very important decision, you know, quitting your job, you know, moving to another place, uh, uh, maybe a big financial decision, pray. Just pray and ask the Lord. Um, he has a way of, of indicating. He has a way of opening doors. An open door is an opportunity, okay? Uh, but also to a closed door is, is protection, and sometimes God may, may close uh, the door on you. Um, and and what, what's happening here is you're getting guidance and direction, but you're getting it in a negative way, okay? You're getting it in a negative uh, type of way. And they come to Mysia and tried to go into Bithynia, kind of like a, like a northern, uh, northern-western kind of route. But the Spirit, again here, did not permit them. So here we have basically two closed doors. And the big question is, how did they know? How did they basically, how did this happen? Because they find, we're told basically, they were restrained. They, they were held back. I think on the how part, it may be like this. Maybe sensing an inner calm or, a peace, or your peace of mind. Okay, we talk about losing your peace. Okay. Um, God directs in those kinds of ways where maybe you lose your peace. All of a sudden you feel like maybe you're, you're, you're going in a certain direction. All of a sudden you feel agitated. You just can't even explain it, but you feel like 
this doesn't feel right. God can direct us in that kind of way. Also, too, God directs us and guides us through the Scripture. That's why stay in the Word. Stay in the Word at all times, and especially when you are making decisions. It's too easy to make bad decisions. Too easy. We want God's guidance. He knows the future. He knows what it's like down the road and around the bend. And remember, he always has your and my best interests at heart. He's always concerned. He knows the long term. He may give a prophetic word of what we, the Bible calls a word of knowledge. You may, you, may be, you may have a decision that you're making and maybe no, other people don't know about it and you're in a prayer meeting or you're in a Bible study and all of a sudden here comes a word. Here comes a word and it's like, man, it met its mark, man. You ever have that happen to you? Just the word, just like it's like a, a, an arrow. It kind of hits you and you say, yay and amen. I've been, I've been waiting, Lord, that's, that's right from you. We, we call it a word of knowledge or a prophetic word. Uh, it could come sometimes. Uh, that's a beauty. That's also the beauty of fellowshipping. We need fellowship. And when we're mutually encouraging one another, there's this exchange, there's this reciprocation. And there's mutual encouragement, you know, taking place, all these things. And God can wonderfully and supernaturally just give you a word. And I, I've seen it happen many, many a time. It's happened through me. It's happened to me. The other, the, 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 the last way God can give us direction and guidance is circumstances. Circumstances, you know, you may be, you may be uh, you know, praying uh, um, about something and all of a sudden the circumstances just sort of change and, and, and you know, you know that you know that you know that it's uh, time for you to take, you know, time for you to take that step, time for you to, you know, to obey the Lord in that area. Or also circumstances can change in such a way they prevent you. They, they protect you, you know, from making a decision. Um, I had been, we were in Florida, and, and, and the Lord had been speaking to me. We had been there for about a year. We moved down there for that Pioneer Church uh, experience. <clears throat> and I felt like it was the Lord for us to come back. And, uh, and Margie didn't want to come back. She, she liked it there, and uh, the, the climate was great. And We lived in, lived in Naples. It was a beautiful little, little town. And, um, and I kept saying, you know, honey, I think, we need, I think the Lord's kind of telling me. And um, she just didn't want to hear that. She wasn't argumentative or anything, but she just didn't want to hear that. And I said, okay, well, Lord, I'm going to let you speak to her heart. And she was, she was uh, down in the Gulf uh, with our kids one day, and it had been shortly after a storm, and uh, there was a, a, a very, very active surf. And uh, there was a lot of moms down there with their kids and all that sort of thing, and <clears throat> all of a sudden, one of our kids are missing. And it's a very rough surf, and... Uh, and she happens to look over this way through all these people, and there's my son just under the waves, and he can't, you know, it's like the, the, the uh, undertow is pulling him back out. 
and she just runs over there, you know, in her motherly kind of way and grabs him and pulls him out of there and he's half drowned and so forth. And she said, when I did that, she said, the Lord just spoke to her heart that you don't want to be any place where I don't want you to be. And that was it. I came home that day. She said, I'm ready to go. And that, that was the direction. That was, she, that's what she needed. That's what needed to happen. And that's what she needed to hear. She said, the Lord spoke to me very clearly that I don't want to ever be in any place that, that isn't God's will for my life. And she said, okay, where are we going? We're ready to go. And uh, so we did. We, uh, we left after that particular point. So circumstances, circumstances can change, and they can indicate one uh, way or another. <clears throat> now, on the why question, we may never know why. We may never know why a, a door perhaps doesn't open. You know, God knows. You know, the thing about guidance is, you know, God gives us guidance but not explanations. A lot of times we want explanations on, you know, the whys and the wherefore. You know, the Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. That's why when it comes to a Christian, don't be a scientist, okay? That you just need everything to just kind of be just sort of worked out, scientific, you know, proof. Um, you know, this is God's will and that sort of thing. Uh, God wants to be able to just sort of speak to us, you know, speak to us through his word, speak to us, you know, in the spirit. Uh, relative to making a decision and, and his guidance, you know, relative, you know, to our life. So here they come to Troas. Folks, this is the end of the road. This is, you know, just you know, you, where you see Turkey kind of jut out there. And I think it's the, is it the Aegean, I think, isn't it? Is it the Aegean or Adriatic? Okay, nobody knows. Okay, that's okay. We're, all, we're all on the same footing here. But it's right on, it's a, it's right on the seacoast. And it's like Paul is, is they're, they're there now. And it's like, okay, I've been forbidden to go to the right and to the left. What's going on? And, he, and he's probably thinking, so I turn around and go home. Maybe this is it. And God never gives us a vision. Paul, God doesn't give Paul a vision until he needs it. And Paul, obviously, like we saw with Peter, we saw with Cornelius, we saw with other individuals, Paul needed a vision because I don't think he was going to jump in some boat and go across the Adriatic. And God doesn't waste visions. He gives them when a person needs them. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with them, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. So thus far, you know, to this point, all the guidance has basically been, been negative. Uh, but nevertheless, it was, it was, it was still guidance. Um, and, and we see here finally, you know, this, he gets this vision, come over, come over and, and help us. It's going to be interesting because we're going we're to continue this, you know, particular study, you know, next week. And it's kind of interesting, you know, when he gets over there, what he finds and so forth. But again, this is the Lord. The Lord just basically giving the Apostle Paul, that, that clear direction, that clarity that he needed, that we're going to go across this, across this water here and, and praise God because this was, the, this was the gospel invading Europe, moving out of basically, you know, the Middle East, you know, into Europe. And, you know, when it comes to guidance, you know, uh, there's something, um, there's a verse over in Isaiah chapter 50. 
This is something that I have looked at over the years. I've been encouraged by it, also been warned by it. Because sometimes there can be obscurity and darkness in your life. And it's not the darkness of sin. Circumstances are obscured. What do I do? How do we handle this? Lord, we need guidance. Remember Saul. Saul, you know, instead of waiting for the prophet Samuel, remember he, he couldn't wait. He just couldn't wait. He, he, he pushed ahead um, in disobedience, and he took on the role of a priest to make a sacrifice. And we know that that was something that... Uh, um, Something that really, in, in a sense, that was sort of the, the, the crowning thing on his removal and his rejection as a king. Because the thing about Saul is, even though he had such a great beginning, he really did. I mean, when you look at his life there in 1 Samuel, he had a great beginning. God's spirit comes on the guy and puts a band of men around him, and he's prophesying, and, and you're going to be the, you're, you're the king. And in the beginning, he's humble, but his whole life. His whole spiritual life is marked by disobedience. But look at verse 10 in, in Isaiah 50. If you're there, if not, you can just jot that down. Isaiah 50, verse 10. He says, Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the voice of his servant? And of course, that's for us. That's the ultimate servant, the Lord Jesus. Notice what he says here. Who walks in darkness and has no light. Things are not clear you're waiting on inspiration. You're waiting on guidance and direction. Look what it says here. Let him trust in the name of the Lord and rely upon his God. So you're in a waiting pattern. Things are obscure. Things are dark. You're looking to the Lord. You're trusting him. Now here's the warning in verse 11. He says, look, all you who kindle a fire, who encircle yourselves with sparks. In other words, instead of getting divine light, this person is creating their own light, their own inspiration. See, self-will can do that, can it? You want something so bad. It's like sometimes I've wanted something so bad, I know what scripture to find to get it. <laughs> no, I want the Lord to speak to me. I want him to just take something, you know, something fresh and just speak to my heart and speak to my life. So look, all you, kindle, kindle your own fire and circle, encircle yourselves with sparks. Walk in the light of your fire and in the sparks that you have kindled. See, God lets people walk in self-will. He's not, now, we're not talking about making a mistake, an anonymous mistake. We're not talking about that. But we're talking about just walking continually in self-will. God will let people do that. But the consequences are sad. It goes back to that thing. God doesn't force us. Now, he's patient. He, he, will, he will work time after time, drawing out our faith. Yeah, he's the perfect parent. He's the perfect parent. No parent gives up on their kids. Because, you know, they made one mistake. But what we're talking about here is, is consistent 
self-will and stubbornness. Remember it says about um, Samuel. Samuel said this about Saul. He said stubbornness is, is as the sin of witchcraft. Isn't that interesting? Remember reading that verse? Stubbornness is as the sin of witchcraft. Because basically they both, they both come from the same thing. It's a self-will. I'm not going to trust God. I'm going to do this, man. I'm going to work this out. That's why we have to be, that's why sometimes God oftentimes, you know, he, he works in a way sometimes to remove that pride, you know, that self-will, that independence that we have, that, you know, that I can do it, man, I can do it. And he goes on to say here, well, walk in the light of your fire and the sparks that you have kindled. He says, this you shall have in my hand, you shall lie down in torment. In other words, you know, just tormenting, uh, you know, circumstances and, and situations that we don't need to have. You see, God loves us. His, his direction is always best, isn't it? His, his direction is going to get us to the right destination. You know, sometimes we can see something and we can want it. But does God want that for our life? And if I think if we're really, if we're, and again, um, you know, the, the importance of willingness, I can't stress it enough. It's so important to have that willing, that open heart to, Lord, what do you want? Lord, what do you want for my life? And, I, and one of the most difficult things in the Christian life is laying aside our self-will, our self-determination. And somehow we think, well, if I don't have that, what do I have, man? If I don't have that self-will, that drive, that determination, what do I have? What you have is God's help is what you have. And the beautiful thing when we don't walk in that kind of way is we have humility. Because why? We're trusting somebody else. We're, we're entrusting our lives to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. We're, we're entrusting our lives to the one who created us, the one who knows best. Used to be an old serial back in the 50s. Uh, Father knows best. Anybody remember that one? Okay. Okay, just a few of you. <laughs> Our Heavenly Father knows best. Now, verse 10, let's wrap this up. <clears throat> you know, Isaiah says in Isaiah 40, great, great chapter. They that wait upon the Lord renew their strength. They mount up with wings like eagles. They run and are not weary. They walk and they, they do not faint. But it's those who wait upon the Lord. And Paul and company, they have been waiting. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. See, Paul wasn't going. He wasn't going to do that. He wasn't going to be presumptuous and get in, you know, get in some boat and go across that body of water. Man, he wanted God's affirmation and confirmation. We need to have that. We need to have that. You can have that in decisions, great and small. He'll guide us into all truth. Two things here. He doesn't go until he's told, first of all. And he doesn't stay once God has spoken. He doesn't hold back once God has spoken. You know, later he would say about his earlier life, he would say, as he spoke to, I think, Felix or Festus, he said, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. 
And may that be so for us. Whatever God, the guidance that God gives you, that's your vision. That's your vision. Like the old hymn says, be thou my vision. God's direction, God's guidance in your life, that's your vision. Don't be disobedient to that heavenly vision and that thing that God gives to you. So again, this is why it's important that we need to look to and rely upon the Holy Spirit. Then you know the story of Harriet Tubman. She was a believer. She knew the Lord. And uh, she was a slave in Maryland. Her movie, her movie is more recent, and uh, there's some books and so forth. Uh, I've, uh, I've, I've read her story and uh, saw the movie, just, just great. And she was a tough gal. And uh, there's a lot of myths and so forth that surround, you know, her life and that sort of thing. But um, she was able to, after she got free and went to, actually, Philadelphia. Philadelphia was uh, uh, a place where many uh, freed slaves had, had, uh, had, had come to. And, uh, and yet she felt the Lord wanted her to go back and, uh, and retrieve some of her family and her friends. And she did. She went back several times to, to basically, uh, and there was, there was, a, there was a, I think, like a hundred or a thousand dollar price on her head to, to catch her um, because of uh, the, the, the slave masters losing their slaves and so forth. But what's amazing to me, as a Christian, she could not read. And she had to trust the guidance and the leading of the Holy Spirit. And you know what she did? She did, and she was able to bring people out of slavery. And you know, there's an analogy for us as well, that when you and I trust and live by the leading of the Lord and the Holy Spirit, we're going to bring people out of slavery because there's more slavery today, folks, than there has ever been. Amen. Lord, we love you. And Lord, we thank you. Thank you for the influences. Thank you for the Apostle Paul crossing, Lord, into Europe. Lord, thank you for the people that you've used in our lives, Lord, to speak truth. Lord, uh, and I pray, Father, for us that if, Lord, in some area we need clarity, we need guidance, we need direction, Lord, grant that, we pray. Lord, help us, we pray, when, as long as we have to, to wait upon you. You said if we wait, we'll renew our strength, and we will mount up with wings like eagles. And I pray that, Lord, uh, that we would, Lord, allow you, Lord, the lordship to guide and direct us. Father, bless us as we go. In Jesus' name, amen. Shall we rise? <clears throat>